rxmuscle.com brings you Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, your body, and your spirit. Alternative medicine, muscle growth, mood enhancement, motivation, putting your mind at ease, harnessing your maximum potential. Quantum Physiques, here's your host, Brian Cunningham. And welcome to Quantum Physiques, where we strive to build strength and power for mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham, joining you here every week on the rxmuscle.com website. Tonight, I have a very special guest, somebody I've known for several years now, actually. We met through a mutual friend of ours, Dr. John Gray, the best-selling author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Arjuna Arda is an awakening coach, and he trains others to be facilitators of awakening. He is the author of seven books, including the 2005 number one national bestseller, The Translucent Revolution, which was featured in O Magazine. He has been working with people both individually and in organizations since 1983. Arda has been a speaker at conferences all over the world and has appeared on TV, on the radio, and in print media in 12 countries. He's also a member of the Transformational Leadership Council. Arjuna, welcome to Quantum Physiques. Thank you, Brian. Wonderful to be with you. Yeah, great to have you on. I'm going to talk to you again. Arjuna... Anyone in the gym, now, of course, you know, my audience here are kind of warriors in a sense. We're really uh, warriors in the game of life. We like to use metaphors like the Game of Thrones, which is a very popular TV series, Spartacus as well. Because in essence, all of us really are striving, um, you know, as warriors in this game of life to reach gold, gold medals, if you want to call it. Um, and as anyone in the gym who drops weight on their foot or who trips, they realize being more awake can help, obviously. Um, even deeper, any problem really, from getting better gains in the gym, um, making more progress in your career or in relationships, being more awake obviously can help them there. In fact, uh, the word awake or awareness is really just what I think a higher level of intelligence. Maybe some might want to call it spiritual intelligence. Um, But I do think that what you teach after having reviewed your recent course is very valuable and very insightful. Now, most of us think uh, it's called the be, do, have law. I guess that if I you know, have the money, I'll do this and then I'll be happy or be successful. But really, it's actually the other way around. How does your program help people understand this be, do, have law that life seems to hold for all of us? Yeah, well, um, this is a really great question, actually. <laughs> um, and I'm glad you phrased it like that because... You know, you started off talking about how being awake could help you to, you know, achieve better results at the gym or make more money. Uh, The question we've got to ask ourselves is if you go to a gym a lot, supposing you regularly visit the gym, and you see some guys at the gym who are like really ripped, you know, they've got like really, really great muscle tone, they've obviously been working like crazy, um, you've got to ask yourselves, is the, quali- is the quality of life of that person really significantly greater? Was it worth it? Now, of course, keeping your body in shape, uh, keeping healthy is a good thing. But if somebody's really like put a lot of energy into building their body, we've got to ask, why are we doing that? Is it, is it really worth the investment? The same thing with making money. Now, I've been in a very fortunate position of coaching people who've got loads of money. I've, you know, I've coached billionaires. I've also coached people who have modest amounts of money. And I've come to the conclusion, absolutely without any shadow of a doubt, that 
money is a dead end street. You know, if you make your life about money, it doesn't actually bring you anything that you expected that it would. So we've got to ask ourselves, you know, early in our life, what what are the values that are really worth pursuing? Because if we're pursuing, if we're spend our whole life climbing a ladder which is leaning against the wrong wall, we're going to end up feeling very foolish, you know. So I would say we could look at it the other way around. Instead of awakening, helping you to get more of what you want, you could look at how creating balance in your body, taking care of your finances, can help you to be awake to the, the pleasure which is already in life, just, you know, just walking in the garden, you know, or being with the people you love, or just, just being in gratitude for, them, for, the, for what your life already brings you is so huge. We've, it's important for all of us to question our goals and to see a simple thing is to ask uh, the people who have achieved these goals, which I think are important, are they really happier? The people who have achieved these goals, is it really, was it really worth the effort? You know, and what I've seen in my own life is people who've made lots and lots and lots of money, generally it was not worth the effort. You know, they do not have a higher standard of living or a higher standard of well-being than people who have a modest amount of money. And you're going to have to ask the same about, you know, really intense bodybuilding or many other things. You know, is it really worth it? Or having a huge house or having the latest Ferrari or the latest Mercedes is it really worth the effort you put into it? Does it really increase your satisfaction in life that much? That's a great point, Arjuna. Actually, something this show has focused on a lot, of course, is that exact point that you make that oftentimes uh, when you have more intelligence, when you're able to look at something and peel back the layers, as you say, or more awareness, you realize, you know, as Christ said, what does it profit a man to gain the entire world the entire world, but loses happiness or his spirit in the process. So that's exactly what the show has been dedicated to. And I think your program really does help that because it's kind of a guided 30-day program that puts somebody in the driver's seat to start peeling back the layers and looking at various aspects, all aspects really, of their life. Not only their physical body and how they relate to it, which is very important, of course, both from uh, the way we look, but also the way we feel. Being healthy is both a feeling and a look, but also, again, in our careers and in our relationships too. It seems like your program really does offer uh, a step-by-step program uh, to help people peel back those layers because oftentimes it's not as easy as just wanting to do it, as you know, right? Yeah, and exactly, and that's, that's, I totally agree. And the way we've done this, Brian, is by interviewing people who are experiencing really extraordinary levels of fulfillment. Now, I mentioned that I've interviewed people who have like loads and loads and loads of money, and it's very obvious that once you, basically once your annual income goes above about 75000 a year, uh, there is no increase of well-being. There's been a lot of research done on this. But look, happiness, that's right. Yes, you're right. Yes. If you're earning below 75000 a year, then you may be actually, you know, there may be, you could get a few little extra things and feel better. Um, globally, though, that, this is, figure is only for America. Globally, the figure is much less. You know, um, If you take the whole world, um, the happiness a bell curve globally is more like around 16,000 a year. 
Now, of course, you can't live on 16,000 in America, but in many parts of the world, you can live on very little, and adding more doesn't really add any value to your life. So you can see this as a kind of a bell curve where it drops off, you know? So then we've got to ask ourselves, well, if money doesn't actually give you well-being, and if owning the best car doesn't give you well-being, and if having power over other people doesn't give you well-being, and if you know, having 5,000 friends on Facebook doesn't give you well-being, what does give you well-being? And this course that I've created called Living Awakening is interviews with people who are experiencing an extraordinary level of well-being, an extraordinary level of well-being and an extraordinary sense of uh, contribution to the world, really a, really a, a fantastic level of, con of contribution to the world. These are people like, like John Gray, for example, who John Gray may be wealthy, but it's a byproduct Primarily, John Gray is living a very high level of satisfaction, creativity, and contribution. So this is interesting to see what does it take. And what I can tell you, in summary, is what it takes to, to experience this real level of fulfillment is not really external things. It's a shifted relationship to yourself internally. And the course that I've developed teaches you how to do that. It's got nothing to do with religion, by the way. Although I've got nothing against religion, there's not a word of religion anywhere in the course not about religion. It's about awakening. It's about waking up to who you truly are and what life really is. Because a lot of times we live in a trance. You know, we, we follow things blindly in a trance and without realizing that we're following the wrong things. No, that's a great point. You know, one of the key sections that really uh, struck me was this one on mistaken identity because, you know, too strong of an attachment to the self or the ego can actually hold us back from reaching our goals in essence. Um, and even those who are successful with these strong egos, it often leaves them unhappy and unfulfilled. Hence why the tabloids are full of stories of all these celebrities and all these wealthy people, as Juno was talking about, who in spite of all this material success, are still unhappy and unfulfilled. So this section on mistaken identity was really instrumental, uh, Arjuna. Can you elaborate a little bit about that? Sure. Well, you know, um, mistaken identity really means that we have, um, we have been told, we have been conditioned by our teachers, by our parents, by religion, by society uh, to develop a certain kind of socially oriented identity, you know? Um, so it can be many things. There's all kinds of ways people develop a full sense of self-esteem by creating a certain identity. And like I've said, already said, that could be through driving the right car or it could be through... Um, having big muscles. <laughs> having big muscles. It yeah. could be through having the right kind of sexy-looking girlfriend, you know, or having many girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever. But... These, this, is, this is socially dictated, and we forget to check if this is really actually real or giving us any satisfaction. Now, one really great measure of this about mistaken identity you can get from people who have near-death experiences. There are quite a lot of people alive on the planet who have basically died physically, and then, you know, they die, their hearts stop beating, and then um, they... Um, they were revived, but they, they died long enough that they experienced what it was like to completely let go of their identity. And when they come back from, from dying in this way, there are books written about this, they have a radically transformed relationship to themselves and to their lives. 
And what you can see, I'll just briefly mention it, but we need to do this for ourselves. We can't borrow this, you know, from somebody else. But what people report is that values like love, uh, caring for people close to you, giving your gift and making a contribution, being creative, experiencing well-being in the body through rest and nourishment, these things are really um, what, what seem valuable. And what most people say, as an example, is the energy they put into chasing money beyond their immediate survival was really wasted energy. That's what, that's what most people report. You know? Equally, chasing prestige or fame or all these things are not really so fulfilling as we, as we thought they were. So we live in a kind of trance, and either you can have a near-death experience or you can actually die or something to break the trance, but um, the course that I've developed helps you to break the trance in an easy way so that you can actually, actually experience real fulfillment now in your life. You can actually experience a life that is nourishing and that feels good, where you find your gift, you give your gift, you feel good about yourself, you go to bed, feeling like you lived a good day, you wake up in the morning excited for more. That's the kind of life we could all be living. And we need to really be willing to question the identity we've created and to see that there is another identity under that which is much more innocent, much more relaxed, much more caring and open. And it's only a breath away. You know, it only requires us to have the courage and the nobility and the, the quest to really find what is behind what we've been conditioned. No, that's a great point. You know, we're really big, obviously, with the name of quantum physics. I'm really big on integrating the science of quantum physics, of course. And I just happened to catch Stephen Hawking's universe the other night, where the new math now, again, according to quantum physics, is that if you were to enter the other dimension, or what they call a black hole, which really is potentially a portal into another universe, um, you would actually paradoxically be both alive and dead at the same time. So it seems, and again, now Eckhart Tolle, of course, who you've interviewed, has said paradoxically that the, the secret of life is to die before you die and realize death doesn't exist. So in essence, he's saying to die before you die means to be both dead and alive. And it sounds like what you're saying here too is that if you can embrace letting go of your attachment to who you think you are, you'll actually get what you want out of life anyway, actually. It's actually easier, it seems like, right? Isn't that the paradox of uh, self-fulfillment? Yeah. Well, let me, if you don't mind, I'm going to make a little um, scholarly correction here. Uh, that quote is actually not from Eckhart Tolle. It's from an, uh, a Zen poet called Bunan. And what he said was, die while alive, be absolutely dead. Then do whatever you want. It's all good. So he said, if you can die as, as, a, a, as a separate entity, as a separate me-based consciousness, uh, and be dead to that, then you just move freely through life and everything happens naturally on its own. It's like being a child again, you see. Being That's incredible. Sorry you know, for the, uh, excuse me for, the, um, for the, uh, being a little bit, what's the word, you know, a uh, little bit kind of... Um, Tight ass there, you know, uh, I just wanted to correct Maybe the that. British would say pompous? <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, scholarly reasons, but I don't want to attribute Eckhart Tolle uh, unnecessarily. He's written enough No, no, it's okay. Actually, I, I am quoting what he said in his book, but he, he probably got oh. it from 
The original quotation, which is what you just said right there. Stole it from Punan, okay. (laughs) Yeah, actually, I'm sure everyone got some puppy from Punan, you're right. But, you know, one thing I could, um, one thing, Arjuna, I want to say as a a man, you can realize that, um, you know, obviously men, we build our lives around having courage. You know, we try to have bigger guns and bigger muscles and bigger wallets and and bigger fortresses to protect ourselves. let me interrupt you for a moment, Brian, because I think that just before you go on, you just said we try to be a man through building courage and then he went on to say through having bigger guns. Now, I cannot see how having a bigger gun is a symptom of courage. That seems to me to be a symptom of cowardice. Because <laughs> if you are really courageous, you don't need a gun. The only person who needs a gun is somebody who's afraid of being, of being threatened from the outside. So I don't think a gun is a symptom of bravery or, or courage. It's a symptom of being afraid, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if if you if if I could have finished, I would have actually said the same thing. Exactly what okay. I was going to say was is that um, you know we're learning to be better fighters. We use technology, whether it's being a better fighter or having better weapons, um, to to enter into the battle. Because, in essence, we are afraid because we feel like we always need more. Exactly. And my point is, though, is again, this is this paradox that we're really living in fear. Um, yeah. And with that said, um, this journey here, this taking part in your program does take courage though. It really does take courage to look inside. I always say the only way out is in the only way out of your problems is to actually go inside yourself. And it does take a a lot of courage though, right? I would say it takes a, it takes a different kind of courage than we're used to. It takes the courage to face yourself. It takes the courage to be, it takes the courage to, um, to be, uh, undefended, actually, and that's a very courageous place. You know, there are extraordinary stories about martial arts masters who develop such strong presence through the practice of martial arts, uh, through Shaolin practice. They develop such strong presence that they can walk in a dangerous place and just look at an assailant, and the assailant walks away because the look is enough. The look has so much power that it sets everything at ease. And that actually is the kind of presence, I would say, that we are deep down striving for. When we have to resort to guns and violence and threat, that is really second best. But I don't think anybody feels very good about themselves to be walking around the world threatening people and being violent. You know, it's, uh, it's, I mean, ultimately when that happens, you know, just recently I noticed in the news in the last few days there have been a string of violent murders. You know, there was, there was one guy who, 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 who was actually ripping another guy with his teeth, you know, and then there was... A, oh, there's been a few of those flesh-eating. It seems like there's some kind yeah. of zombie thing going on recently. A lot of zombies are coming around eating flesh. Well, there was <laughs> also salts. another incident... I think it's bath salts. In, in, the new drug of, of choice now is bath salts, actually, I heard. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, there was another one in uh, Seattle, but you see... Really, what happens is when we take this kind of aggressive, militaristic attitude to an extreme, it is, it's clearly becomes a form of mental illness. You know, and very often these kind of violent crimes are excused through mental illness. So we, we can see that walking through the world aggressive, with an aggressive stance, with a kind of, I probably can't say the F word on your show, but with an oh, F you can, don't worry. <laughs> okay, walking through the world with a fuck you attitude you know, it looks kind of cool. You just take that up a few notches and it becomes mental illness, you know? What we can, what mental health is not coming from fuck you. Mental health is coming from B 
being in tune with your environment, being able to tune into people, connect with people, to feel at peace, to be a warrior of awakening and real strength and real presence. So actually, I would say, in, in my opinion, you know, a lot of our values around masculinity and strength have really gotten warped. And I've, I work a lot with men you know, who have developed so many uh, shells of defense around themselves. And it's not real. It's not who they really are. When they, when they relax, it doesn't mean they become wimps or pussies or, or, um, you know, or um, effeminate. But who they really are are caring, loving, conscious men who can give their gift to the world. You know, and they are, who they really are is gentlemen. You know, that's the meaning of the word. Gentleman is a gentle man. But we've been so conditioned to cover all of that up with aggression, with anger, with hatred, with violence. And it's not real courage, you know. It's, it's, it's actually a form of weakness. Quantum physics, building strength and power for your mind, body, and spirit. Myotropics Physique Nutrition is the most exciting supplement company to come along in decades. That's because Myotropics isn't just another company. It's the brainchild of iconic metabolic expert, Dr. Scott Connolly, the inventor of the original body recomposition product that changed the industry and allowed millions of people to get in the best shape of their life. And CEO Vince Andrich, author of the groundbreaking Physique Athlete Guide. Myotropics flagship product, Physique 2.0, contains their exclusive Meta Effects Amino CD protein compound that maximizes whole body protein economy, your personal linchpin for gaining and retaining the most muscle while also shedding maximum body fat. Plus, Physique 2.0 contains the world's first legitimate fat-burning carbohydrate, Meta Effects FAO-CHO, for full hard muscle and increased fat burn. If you live to develop the ultimate physique, go with Myotropics, real people that live to develop physique nutrition. Go to Myotropics.com. It's your body. It's your art. Master it. Myotropics.com. If you train hard, you need to recover hard. Training elevates cortisol, but so does stress and tension. Stress is the number one health risk you face today. and not only causes you to put on abdominal fat, but it's also one of the contributing factors in the top six causes of death, which includes heart disease and cancer. But now you can relieve that stress, rebuild, recover, and feel great with fast-acting Gabitrol. Gabitrol works quickly to help you improve relaxation and recovery, reduce cortisol, elevating stress, and reduce binge eating. Plus, Gabitrol will also help you to get that deep, restful sleep. Warriors are built, not born. And now you can build a better body with fast-acting Gabitrol. Recommended by New York Times number one best-selling author, Dr. John Gray. Gabitrol is available now at rxstress.com. P28 High Protein Bread is the official bread of RX Muscle. Are you looking to incorporate more protein into your meals or just want to enjoy bread again? Then look no further. Try the 100% natural P28 High Protein Bread. P28 High Protein Bread is a formulated revolutionary breakthrough product. Packed with whey protein isolate, 14 grams of protein per slice, 12 grams of carbs, 8 essential amino acids, and made with 100% whole wheat. Fear bread no more. Build a better body with P28. Order today at HighProteinBread.com. P28 is also now available at Bodybuilding.com and many other retailers. Order now. HighProteinBread.com. P28 Bread. RX Muscle approved. 
Fusion Bodybuilding makes bodybuilding's strongest supplements, and they're committed to giving back to you. Fusion Bodybuilding not only want to promote the bodybuilding lifestyle, but they also want to help build the sport. Bodybuilding is all they do. It's their obsession. You know the feeling. That's why you're here. Visit Fusion Bodybuilding at FusionBodybuilding.com or join in on the conversation on the Fusion Bodybuilding fan page on Facebook, where you'll find IFBB Pro Q&As, contest giveaways, and nothing but in-depth bodybuilding talk. Fusion Bodybuilding, bodybuilding's strongest supplements. Head over to FusionBodybuilding.com today. So are you from Australia, paying far too much for supplements with the inflating weigh-in amino prices? Why not check out the all-new RX Muscle Australia for the latest Australian and worldwide content and coverage. While you're there, check out Bulk Nutrient Supplement Store, the official supplement store for RX Muscle Australia. You can visit Bulk Nutrients at BulkNutrients.com.au, your one-stop shop. And also check out the all-new rxmuscle.com.au rx muscle australia the truth in australian bodybuilding rxmuscle.com now you have a place to turn when you want the truth on bodybuilding diet and exercise up to the minute news and more visit the rxmuscle.com forums featuring celebrity q a's with ifbb professional athletes top amateurs and the brightest minds in the industry listen to our weekly radio shows including heavy muscle radio muscle girls inc after hours and more contest coverage videos even our own social networking site rx muscle place visit rxmuscle.com we often use on this show um some of the motifs from hollywood like for example um that gently movie one where in the end the warrior trying to assassinate the king ends up realizing that going and becoming a peaceful warrior was the best way uh, it, you're definitely right that when a, a warrior or anybody attains a high level of consciousness oftentimes they do the exact opposite of what they were striving for in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great point. Arjuna, shifting gears here now, you have a section uh, in this program, uh, which is pretty interesting, on longing. Um, Is there a difference between your concept of longing and, say, the word desire? Yes. Thank you. These are brilliant questions. My God. (laughs) These are the best questions ever. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really great point. So most of us, we live in a trance of desire. And this is partly because our economy, our global economy, requires us to be in desire. You know, in order for big corporations to continue to make profits, uh, human beings have to live in a state of desire, a state of wanting this and wanting that, you know, wanting, wanting things that you have to pay money for. Um, and you need to stay in desire uh, in order to stay consuming and to stay on the kind of treadmill of more and more and more. So desire is for things, you know. Desire is for things that can be measured and described. Longing is for something you don't always know what it is. Longing is to come home to yourself. And we don't always know how to do that or what that is. But many people, they feel a kind of homesickness, a homesickness, feeling homesick for just a state of peace, a state of harmony, a state of where you just feel relaxed and free of anxiety. So longing is more for a returning home to your natural state, not so much about acquisition and uh, getting new things for yourself. That's great. And your program actually has some pretty good instructions on um, how to help people along that, that journey to rediscover that, right? Yeah, I'm really grateful you put so much energy into checking this out. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you. I really like that. 
You know, another thing too that really struck me, Arjuna, is um, the whole idea of following your heart. Um, now, of course, as a scientist, I would say, well, you know, the heart is an organ, it's comprised of tissue, and uh, there's not really an intelligence or a brain down there in the heart. And yet, of course, Candace Pert wrote this um, great book called Molecules of Emotion, where she showed that the heart actually does have neurotransmitter receptors. So it actually can feel serotonin and GABA, which, you know, again, are emotions of depression or happiness. Um, but maybe even on an energetic level, Arjuna, you might agree that the heart does have a voice in essence. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, well, it's a good point you've made, you know, that actually uh, the, the, the heart, the physical heart actually has the same kinds of cells in it as in the brain. So the heart does have intelligence. There's, a, there's actually a company, a group called HeartMath, who's done a lot of great work in investigating this. Maybe you're familiar with them already, Brian. I think I've heard of them before, yeah. Yeah. So, but what I mean by following the heart is, you know, following your intuition, following, like, basically breaking free from the way you've been conditioned by society. Follow, you know, so very simply following your heart would mean allowing yourself to love the person you love, you know, or following the heart would mean, um, um, Following your heart would mean doing the job you really love to do, or you know, giving the gift you really love to give, spending time with your children. These are examples of following your heart. And ultimately, following your heart means getting back in touch with the, the you, who you are before you were conditioned by society. That's a key point, I think, because uh, while it sounds easy, it seems like there's been a lot of obfuscation, a lot of layers in essence, right? Maybe a program or programming by society that makes it hard for a lot of people to actually tune in to their heart. Um, do you have any advice for that? Well, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of tempted to say take my course, you know, because I, I mean, all the <laughs> advice I've got, I poured into that course, uh, Living Awakening. Um, I think it's, you know, it's a multiple-layered process, but it starts with really having the interest and the time to find out who you are deeper than your conditioning, to find out, you know, to get back to a sense of yourself again. As I said, for many people, unfortunately, for many people, that pull never comes until a time of great crisis. So... For somebody, they might not even get interested in coming home to themselves until their spouse leaves them or um, a great financial crisis or, uh, you know, a a great health challenge or a near-death experience. Those are the times when many, many people are shocked into waking up and feeling what's really important. But, um, yeah, but... You can choose at the same time. You can choose. I don't want to wait for a crisis. I actually want my life to get more real now. And the way that I've put this course together is based upon research with, with lots and lots of people. I've actually interviewed hundreds of people who are living, who are living a life of no regret, you know, who, are living, um, who are living fully integrated, satisfying, ecstatic lives. And this comes from generally doesn't come from doing what you've been told to do. Generally, you lead a really a totally fulfilling life by turning your back on what you've been told to do and feeling into what's real for you from the inside. 
No, that's you a know, great I point, can, actually. Sure. I can tell you a little story about this, if I may, if I have time, is, is uh, of my son, who is, um, he's 19 now, and he's just finished his first year at college. So, you know, he goes to college where the, the typical college life is, you know, drinking, you know, drinking, smoking weed, you know, uh, staying up really late, uh, probably doing as little work as possible. You know, this is this kind of typical. This is what's considered to be a good college life. Well, I didn't put too many restrictions on him when he was at high school. I said, you know, do what you need to do so you can learn, you know, explore things so you can learn. So he was smoking, you know, smoking weed, I guess. I didn't really get too involved in it, but I, you know, I knew he was trying things out like most high school students do, but he kind of burned it out. You know, he, he tried alcohol, he tried all these things. You know, I, I didn't place restrictions on him sexually. I said, you know, get a girlfriend. I, you know, I said, I trust you to make good decisions. And I, you know, we, we were dialoguing a lot. So by the time he got to university, he was nearly 19. Really, a lot of those things were burned out. And so he got to think for himself, how do I really want to spend my college years? And he knew it wasn't going to be to conform to me because I didn't, I didn't have any opinion about it. I just said, do what you want to do. So he realized, I don't get that much from drinking alcohol. I don't get that much from smoking weed. I don't really like going to bed late or eating junk food. So this guy is now has been working out at the gym two hours a day. Um, he's built an incredible physique for himself. Nobody told him to do that. He did it because he wanted to. He eats an incredibly good diet. I mean, really a phenomenally good diet. Right now, he's actually exploring raw food as a diet, which is, you know, and he's, and he's still, you know, very, very strong, very, very incredible physique, but he's explored how eating extremely healthy food can actually uh, peak your athletic performance. Um, he's making great money. He's actually he's got signed up with an agency as a model. I mean, he's just he's in a great relationship. But here's an example of somebody who is living completely from the inside. He's not doing anything I told him to do because I never told him what to do. I just said, I just encouraged him, follow your own intuition. Follow, follow the calling of your innermost self. And that will be right and that will be good. And it's worked fantastically. You know, it's worked absolutely great because he's, He's making his own decisions about what's intelligent. He's not following other people, nor is he rebelling against somebody because there's nobody to rebel against. You see, I'm not giving him any boundaries. I'm saying, I'm simply encouraging him to be intelligent. And I think that's a, that's a, a, a model of what can happen. You know, I'm glad it's my son I'm talking about, but yeah. that's a, a model of what can happen from all of us. We just got a question, like, what do I really want to do on this planet? Do I really just want to be jerked around by what people tell me to do? Do I really just want to be jerked around by rebelling? I mean, a really good example for many of us is smoking cigarettes, you know, that, you know, a lot of times when we're young, we think, oh, it's really cool to smoke cigarettes. You're not being cool to smoke cigarettes. You're just being influenced by the, you know, Peter Stuyvesant Tobacco Company or whatever those big companies are. You know, you've just been completely manipulated by advertising, you know, and we can ask the same about all kinds of things. You know, how much are you being influenced by your peers, by advertising, by what you've been told to do, which really makes you a kind of a wimp, if you'll excuse me, you know, if, if you're really just wandering through life, being told, doing what you've been told to do or rebelling against an authority figure, that makes you a kind of a weak person. But if you can find the inner strength to really discover what you want to do and live your passion with where every decision is made freely from your own center, that makes you a real hero. That makes you really living a quantum life.
It's a great point. I mean, it's kind of scary again because, you know, you have, like, say, a whole culture based around Arnold Schwarzenegger, who really popularized the idea of having, you know, ex- exaggeratedly big muscles. I mean, it's one thing to be athletic, but of course, bodybuilding, for example, is about having exaggerated muscles. So a lot of us are just kind of born into this culture. And if we happen to live in Long Island, which most of the guys from this uh, station live, you know, that's what the subculture is out there. It's all about having big muscles in essence. But yet it does take a lot of courage to look at that and say, you know, WTF, is this really what I want to do? Or is it more like, you know, I'm just kind of following along with the other sheeple uh, the sheep, of course, uh, in society. So I think your idea of questioning is great. But for me, Arjuna, I find I, I do need a teacher. I'm not strong enough sometimes to go out into the desert of my subconscious and take that journey. And so it, it, honestly, for me, your program was very beneficial because it does help me to, in essence, systematize this process and kind of get me going. Right. Great. Quick question well, now with... Uh, <laughs> Quick question today now with the um, 2012, you know, it's something we cover a lot. We do think this is maybe a, a shift, a time of a shift in, uh, in our paradigms. Today, as we tape, was the biggest drop in the Dow for the entire year so far, over 275 points. Um, you know, people like... Um, uh, the guy from uh, Biology of Belief, Dr. Bruce Lipton, have said we're going to enter a real t- tumultuous period here. But it seems like a breakdown... Uh, in society or break down on a personal level can also be a breakthrough. Is that not correct? Absolutely. I would say that's totally correct. Yeah. Totally so I'm right hoping, on. what's your opinion on this whole thing for this, this 2012 thing? Do you buy into it? Do you think this is a great year of change? Or is there something going on? Well, I mean, first of all, you know, we are living in 2012. <laughs> that That is indisputable. This is the year 2012. That's one thing we can say is true. And there are many structures which need to be broken down. I mean, the financial system we have in this, the financial system we have is not something you would ever think of instituting with your friends. You know, we live in a, we live in a financial system based in usury, which means basically if you have a lot of money, uh, you can use that money to accumulate more money without really doing anything of value. And if you don't have much money, you're going to have to borrow money and then you're going to be more and more in debt. So we kind of need to break down the financial system we've got because it's unsustainable. You can't keep the system we've got going indefinitely. It has a fairly short history. The banking system we have now really only dates back to the 18th century. And the, the, it's unsustainable. You know, it's, it's, um, individual cultures have tried to do what we're doing now with this gap between rich and poor. The Russia tried to do it, it ended in revolution. France tried to do it, it ended in revolution, and other countries have had more minor revolutions. So clearly the global economy which we have now is going to have to break down. The question is, is it going to happen peacefully or is it going to happen in a tumultuous way? I don't, I mean, I think it's going to be tumultuous if you have a lot of money invested in the stock exchange, yes. It's going to be tumultuous if you're very identified with uh, being much more well-off than everybody else. But if you live simply, if you are content with the simple pleasures of life, then it doesn't have to be too tumultuous at all. And, you know, there's a lot of innate goodness, Brian, in people. You know, it's, I mean, people are not really inherently evil. There's a lot of good people out there. There's a lot of energy goes in the world. Energy goes into making things better, making things good. 
So we need to trust that as well, you know, that while things are breaking down, there's a lot of people putting out energy to create something new. And um, the more things break down, the more we're going to be listening to the people who've got good ideas about a better way to live. Well, that sounds great. I'm hoping that uh, this year of change, I think it's just going to keep going, uh, does not come with such a, a large cost. It seems like from what I gather that, you know, the more well-off a nation is, like, you know, Europe, for example, where there's now rioting in the streets of Greece, for example, um, it seems like the, the shift for these nations and the U.S. perhaps uh, in the future will be a little more painful because uh, our, our current, I guess, standard of living might be uh, decaying quite a bit uh, as we see a Greece. And I think Spain's next, it sounds like. So, yeah, definitely some exciting things ahead. You know, speaking oh, well, of that... Can, go I, ahead, can I just comment on that for a moment? Is that sure. disrespecting? Because first of all, we need to be clear. America is not a wealthy nation. America is in debt for, for $14.3 trillion. So America is the equivalent of somebody who is on the verge of bankruptcy. You know, if, if, you, if your credit card debts were like hundreds of times more than your annual income, that would not make you a wealthy person. It would make you somebody who had overextended your credit. So um, the amount of debt which America has now, particularly to Asia, but also to the IMF, um, you can't really look at America as a wealthy country. It's that America is a country that has mismanaged itself, and there's going to have to be a big adjustment, yes. So that's one thing. Also, it's important, you know, with Greece, uh, my wife is in Greece right now. She just, we just did a Skype conversation. She's in heaven. You know, she turns, uh, she's sitting in a nice, nice, beautiful place. You know, she turns the, the laptop around. You know, she's living in heaven. The rioting you hear about is, uh, is in one, you know, one square kilometer around the Capitol building in, in Athens. But the rest of Greece is fine, you know. And Greece, by the way, is not a wealthy country. Greece got dragged into the Eurozone. Greece has always been a country that lives quite simply. And so we tend to, you know, all of these stories tend to get morphed through the American media, mm. which views everything in terms of consumption. The problem, is, the problem with Greece is not a real problem. People in Greece are not suffering. They're fine. The problem with Greece is that Greece is not able to conform to the massive consumerist uh, psychology of the Western world. So Greece is probably going to drop out of the, zero, of the euro and go back to the life it was enjoying before of olives and feta cheese and, 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 and good, good wine. You know, Greece, Greek people are pretty happy on the whole. They're, they're famous. You know, Zorba is famous for, for a life of great fulfillment and riches. Spain is the same. You know, Spain probably has no business being in the euro, but it's not really true to say that people are suffering in Spain. The economic system is not working but that may mean because the economic system is, is flawed, intrinsically flawed. The countries that are having a problem right now are the countries where the population has tried to enjoy a material standard of living way out of proportion to what's really realistic. And that's going to have to be adjusted. You know, people, people in America, you know, many times people think that it's great to live in you know, a 5,000 square foot house or a 10,000 square foot house and have two cars and a boat and all this. And, it's just out of proportion. It's not what life on the planet offers you. It's not realistic. So it's going to have to be adjusted. And that, for anybody who's really identified with this uh, inflated standard of living, that's going to be painful. If you're not identified with it, it won't be painful at all. No, that's a great point. I, th I think I think you've got some valid points there, actually. And uh, I'm hoping for people that are grounded, which I'm hoping most of my listening audience is, 
uh, the landing will definitely be more gentle. You know, you know, you shifting gears here. By, Go ahead. Yeah, you can prepare yourself by simplifying your life. You know. Yes. Definitely, without a doubt. You know, speaking of business, um, you have a section um, in the uh, Living Awakening course on translucent business. Could you elaborate and share a little bit about what that, that section's about? Yeah, you know, most people spend about, you know, more than 40 hours a week at work. And then you've got to commute to work, you've got to prepare for work, you've got to come home from work. So for most people in this country, their work is their life. Uh, if your work sucks, basically your life sucks, you know? And if your, if your work is fulfilling and nourishing and, and visionary, then your life is pretty good. So um, translucent business means that we realize that, that to make business just about profit is completely missing the point because it takes up so much of your life, so much of your time. Your, your work really needs to be a form of self-expression a form of fulfillment, a way of connecting with people, ultimately a way of self-realization and self-satisfaction, self-fulfillment, you know? Um, so that's, you know, translucent business is, gives you examples of how you can bring this kind of awake consciousness to the way that you go to work and the way that you make money. That sounds great. So it definitely is a part of that integrating Again, this this deeper level of intelligence. I want to bring it back to the to the beginning. Um, you know, some people may have come from different religious or philosophical backgrounds. There's a commonality in this. There's a practicality in what I believe you're teaching here, Arjuna, in uh, maybe in the word intelligence or using the word awakening. And I really do think that if someone were to look into this more, they would actually be able to integrate and apply it to all areas of their life. So there's really uh, a big upside here for the quality of our life, you know, 24 seven. Um, and with that said, I'm actually going to, I think there's a link available for people that want to get more information. I'm probably going to post it on Facebook and on the forum thread. And um, anything else you want to add before we conclude, Arjuna? Well, it's been a delight talking to you. And I also really wanted to say I, I very much appreciate and recommend you know, the incredible work you've done with, with brain chemistry. It's been such a, such a huge help to so many people. You know, the, the, the uh, particular Gabatrol product you've created it's really um it's been incredibly helpful to so many people in taking care of the brain chemistry aspect of living a conscious life no thank you very much for that arjuna so once again i want to thank arjuna ardar for joining us here on quantum physiques i'm your host brian cunningham stay tuned next week for another exciting show thanks for joining us quantum physiques with brian cunningham is dedicated to harnessing the power of the holy grail of health fitness lifestyle and success and you'll hear quantum physiques every wednesday evening only on rx muscle